wait for it to start. Welcome to Bon Jovi Discussions. Today I have my friend Natalia from Spain, who she's been on uh, this podcast before when we did uh, This House Is Not For Sale. And of course, you know, I wanted to find, you know, big diehard fans to talk about this box set with. So uh, Natalia and I, we're going to talk about disc two today. Natalia, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good, good. Isn't this box set incredible, though? Yeah, it is. I love, I love the, how big it is, and, you know, the, the, the book, and I yeah. can go on and on. Anyways, just a quick overview on the box set as I, you know, did for disc one. Uh, this box set was to celebrate 20 years of the band being together. And ironically, it was also a milestone of the band uh, selling over 100 million records. So they uh, called 100 million Bon Jovi fans can't be wrong. And uh, it was released in November 2004. And uh, like the title suggests, they kind of did what Elvis did, but with he did 50 million fans can't be wrong. And, you know, so Bon Jovi kind of recreated that. Um, you know, th this box, as John has said, this box is truly for the diehard fans like us that love, you know, and this is before the digital era too. You know, nowadays you can go on YouTube or wherever and find any kind of outtake demo, any kind of leak. But back in 2004, YouTube wasn't really around. And you know, a lot of these songs you really didn't hear. So technically back then, you know, a lot of these songs, like, oh, I've never heard that one or this yeah. one, you know. And uh, so it was nice to get a box set full of that stuff. Um, what do you think about the box set? One of my favorite uh, albums. And uh, I remember uh, when, when, when they released this, this album, some of the songs, you know, uh, it's like a, an album. You think uh, some of the songs you you realize there are some songs that uh, deserve to be on an album, like a, yeah, like a starting all over again or others kind of songs, and uh, it's uh, really, really, really special. And I think for the fans like us, uh, diehard fans, it's like a special gift. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love very much the lines uh, John wrote in the book. You know, when uh, I remember uh, when he he wrote something like I don't remember exactly, but something like I was so focused on do it, do it, do it, and I wasn't uh, creating memories or something like that. Yeah. And uh, it's important too. Yeah. Exactly. So let me ask you: When this box that came out in November of two thousand four. What's yep. your memory of getting this box set and, and listening to all these songs for the first time? Wow. Uh, I was uh, in the university, I remember, and uh, it was expensive in that moment because, you know, uh, we were very young and uh, in that moment, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tickets for shows also were a bit cheaper than now. So it was something like, 80 euros or something like that I think so I ordered for Christmas this album and uh, the feeling when I was listening was like uh, magic <laughs> hmm. well my story is kind of similar to yours with the whole Christmas thing I remember I was eight years old I was this tall just kidding I was this tall just... <laughs> and uh, my dad had asked me what I wanted for Christmas, and I, I was a fan, or no, I was 11 years old. I became a fan when I was eight. So 2004, I would have been 11. Yeah. 
And yeah. Maggie asked me what I wanted for Christmas. And I said, I want the new box set that's coming out because I saw it on bonjovi.com and they were promoting it. And uh, my dad said, okay, well, you know, that's going to be your big gift for Christmas. And so I remember, and so I got crushed on the first day. I got bounced on the, the one one night on the first day, bounced on the first day, the stuff feels right on the first day. So I had to keep that tradition going. I said, dad, I, I got to at least see it and get it on the first day, even though Christmas was a month away. Yeah. So you took me to Kmart. I don't know if Kmart's a thing over in, in uh, Spain, but here it used to be. Now Kmart's a thing in the past. Yeah. But like you said, it was expensive. And I remember this box set being, you know, $75. And yeah. now you can go to like any record store and find it for 10 bucks. But anyway, so my dad got it for me. And I begged my dad to look inside, you know, because it was still in Saran Wrap. And uh, he said, I'll make you a deal. If you do this such and such tour today i'll let you open it up listen to one cd but you have to give it back until christmas so i remember i put in disc three and obviously that starts at the edge of a broken heart and i just i fell in love with it and so when i had to give my dad the box that back for him to wrap up and put under the tree and forget what it was for a month i couldn't wait for christmas day to open this back up and it was actually the one it was the gift i'd find under the tree to open up and just right. saying, yeah. you know? so that's my memory. But you know, Christmas Day when I was listening to each CD, I was blown away by it. You know, and I was still, you know, a young, you know, eleven-year-old kid and stuff. And you know, I, I pretty at that time I knew everything pre two thousand four, but uh, it it was it was magical. But yeah, it was magical. Yeah, and also because it's a four CD, so it's very long, mm -hmm. and you have to. Not not like uh, when you listen to one CD that is one hour or something like that, but you have to listen and listen again because yep. you have to stop, yeah, and uh, listen again other song and then you forget that song, come again and it's like a, I don't know, like a um, letting go, like a magic, yeah. Exactly, you know, and there's some songs on this box set too that you just cringe and say why didn't this make the album you know like songs yeah. like you dead or starting all over again you know just all those different songs and you're like this could have made the album this could yeah. have been a hit and yeah. it's just kind of like a forgotten track left to put to the side yeah. but, and in every every cd there is more than three four songs that you think why is not in a cd <laughs> exactly but at least we have it now you know yeah yeah so, so let's get started. Let's, you know, we're doing disc two today, so we'll go uh, in order, obviously. So the first track is Garage Land, and it was written for Crush. It was actually one of the very early songs that John had, John and Richie had written. Um, this was written by John and Richie in New York City, by the way, at John's apartment. Um, this whole song is, you know, I, I think it's pretty explanatory. You know, it's about kind of like where they've been and where they were going, because to think... Crush was a new era for the band. Uh, it was yeah. pretty much kind of make it or break it, continue uh, of the continuation of the band. And thankfully, you know, with It's My Life and Crush, it started a whole new legion of fans. I'm prime example. And uh, so Garage then kind of looks at that, you know, where they were and where they're going. You know, so obviously they had to go into a new direction. I think this is also when they were going more pop, more and more yeah. pop sound, uh, which is great. Um, and I also think it's about just a band coming and 
and growing together, you know, like, like just being, you know, starting out and going through those trials of being successful and all that. Yeah. Uh, what's your whole view of the song? What do you like about it? Well, uh, I think this song is very good to start a CD like that. And, uh, you know, even the sounds and everything, it's like uh, powerful. Mm-hmm. And the beginning, I think uh, it's what you said, it's like uh, the band, uh, where, where they've been and where they, they are going now. And uh, to me, it's also connecting to the fans and to the, to the feelings you have when you love a band and uh, the music uh, and the feelings they, they, they make you feel. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, immortality or uh, I don't know, something like that. My two favorite parts um, of this song is how it kind of starts, you know, like like you were just saying about how it kind of starts the album and how it's a great song to start it. I love how slow and easy, you know, you just have Bridget doing a slow guitar and then, you know, John's singing easily. And then right after the verse, it gets into uh, a heavy pre-chorus. And then, you know, you get the whole band in. And then I also really love the na, 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 na. I love that. That's like the, that's the hook of the song right there is the na, 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 na. I love that part. You know, it's funny, this song actually had to grow on me over the years. When I was a kid, getting this box set, Garage Land was actually one of my least favorites on the box set. I liked it, but it was one of my least favorites. Now, I'd probably say it's in the middle percentile of what I like from this box set. I, I enjoy it now, and I, and I know they've done it live a few times, you know, during uh, the Circle Tour. And I yeah. think that was, that's what made it made me like it a little more, was that. Yeah. I think it's yeah. good for, for live shows, yeah. And uh, I also like it very much uh, when they say that uh, you have wings on your feet and you feel like a king. Mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, yeah, I like very, very much. That's my favorite. That was my, be my next question to you. My favorite part, our lyric, is probably the first verse, you know, because it just starts about, you know, how that a band starting to grow together, you know, like talking about the cheap bass or the crash of the drums and yeah, you, know, you just, you love that, you know? Uh, let's go to the next track. The next one is uh, starting all over again, which this one is actually one of my favorite outtakes. And this is one of those songs that say, this should have been on the album. So this song is written, yeah. by John, this, uh, this was written by John Ritchie and Desmond Child for the Keep the Faith album. There's actually an alternative version of this outtake on, I think, the Japan version. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And it, just like uh, Taking It Back, which is on the disc one, you know, this song is all about starting all over again. So you and I both know most people watching this. But just in case, Keep the Faith was kind of like a new era for the band after them going through, you know, you know the debut 1700 Slippery New Jersey nonstop from 83 to... 90 and then john doing blaze of glory and stuff you know he was they're very burnt out after the, the new jersey tour and you know john and the band kind of lost that passion for music and why they were doing what they were doing and starting all over again you know that whole meeting was about them redoing what they were known for going back at it but with new management new style and a new era for the band um, and, yeah, yeah. and finding that passion, and it's, I think it's also about reconnecting with fans as, as well, you know, 
um, like let's continue our journey together and and at our pace pretty much. Um, so I, I think it's good. And I think one of the greatest things about this song is John's vocals. John's yeah. vocals on this blows me away. It's unbelievable. What's your uh, what's your view on the song? Oh, I love this song very much. I think it's one of the songs that, as you said, is uh, deserve uh, to be in a record. And uh, to me, it talks about the same meaning that for you. I think I read sometimes that maybe it talks about the kind of relation, romance or friends relation or something like that. And it's when you have a break or something and then you restart and find the light or the beautiful thing. But to me, it talks more, it, it's this meaning, but applies to the band and to the fans. Like, uh, here we are, this is our trip, our journey, and uh, let's just do it again and enjoy again. Yeah, um, you said it perfectly. Um, another great thing I really like about this song, too, is that guitar intro. Uh, and yeah. then and Tico's drive on the drums. I just love the way he plays those drums. Uh, yeah. the, the chorus is so, you know, I, I always, when I listen to the chorus, I always picture like a sound check for some reason, you know, like just John standing there singing it and, um, I don't know, it, it has a good drive to it. What's your favorite lyric? Oh, uh, I hear, I think here's uh, the, the part where they say, here's to an old friend who helped us to get by, here's to the dreamers, may never dreams die. This is maybe my favorite lines. You took my le my line. You took it. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> that's my favorite too. And but you know it, it's true though. Um, yeah. That the whole you know here's to the dreamers. May dreams never die. If we believe we can all keep the good times alive, you know, and that's exactly what I think the song is about. Is just reconnecting and being a yeah. band again, and you know, just keeping the, the good times alive. If they believe, you know. So yeah. yeah. I could go on. It's a great song. Let's go to the next one. Uh, Maybe Someday. This is written by John, and I believe Richard also wrote it, too. And it was written for Crush. Uh, the beautiful ballad. Um, when I was younger, I used to love this song a lot. As I'm older now, I, I still enjoy it, but it's not one of my go-tos anymore. And I'm not sure if you know this, but I'm a sucker for ballads. So, but... The song, it, it, it's beautiful. I think it's just looking back at a lost relationship, you know, yeah. and understanding that the relationship that you had, you weren't in the right time and place to have that relationship, you know. So you, you're also hopeful that maybe someday, as the title suggests, yeah. you'll be back together with that person. Yeah. Yeah. What's your view on it? Uh, so I, I like this song, but I didn't. I didn't listen to this song too much, but I'm rediscovering now and I'm realizing that uh, it's a very good song. And uh, I don't know, it's a bit like a sad and homesick, maybe like a relation that ends and uh, who knows, maybe someday. But uh, I think the magic of the song, it's uh, the two voices together, John and Ruti, mm -hmm. in the Yeah, that's uh, brilliant. Yeah, and you know, those, those verses are so heartbreaking too. You know, yeah. uh, like my, like my uh, one of my favorite lines is, oh, how's it go? And I know how 
I don't know how a heart beats, but I sure know how one breaks. Um, but yeah. my favorite line, though, is they say that nothing lasts forever, but we know our two hearts beat together. And though you're far away, every night that I pray, maybe someday. I love that line. You know, that, that's such a powerful bridge, too. You know, I love it. What's your favorite line? How can I forget your every tear that I cry? I love, and the way that John sings that part, too, is so good. It adds that emotion to the song. And uh, uh, it's a match with a crush feeling like uh, it's a mystery and a mystery train, you know, the sounds and the, you know, the music reminds me to that, all, all those kind of songs. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I could I could definitely. And maybe that's why it was an outtake, because, you know, like mystery train and she's a mystery kind of replaced uh, maybe someday. I can see why it was an outtake. I still enjoy it, but I think it was better as an outtake. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a good song, but it's yes, definitely. Yeah, for me yep. too. The next one is uh, The Fire Inside, and it was written by John. Oh, I skipped The Last Chance Train. Well, we'll go back to The Last Chance Train. So Fire Inside is written by John, and it was for Keep the Faith album. This song, I don't know why I didn't appreciate this song more when I was younger. Now I do. <laughs> it's it's one of those songs that it's just an acoustic guitar. And I think I there's quite a few different demos for this song too if I'm not mistaken and I think we got the original demo of it when John was just writing it and it was just mm -hmm. him and a guitar and I think oh. Richie also plays guitar on the recording too but the vocals are just incredible especially in that co chorus when he's screaming the fire inside you know I, I just I get like I even talking about it, I get chilled because it's so good you know it, it, those, those are one of the songs that people like well John Bon Jovi is not a good singer which we know is not true but the fire inside would be one of those songs that I throw in their face and I say you listen to this because you listen to it and you tell me he's not a good singer you know yeah I love it yeah what's what so what how do you what, what's your view on the song I love it and uh, I love it from the first time and maybe because the uh, John voice as you said it's like uh, deep and broken and uh, I love this kind of a style when he I think when he sings like that in that uh, kind of, of voice mm -hmm. it's when you are a good singer he is and uh, you can feel here in that song it's just incredible and uh, when he screams fire inside it's just like uh magic yep exactly yeah. and i think the whole meaning behind it is it's kind of just like taking it back and starting all over again which we're both here for keep the faith it's about finding that hunger and that passion to yeah. be back into the music industry and you know and obviously it's, it's about the bitterness towards the the record business uh yeah and I, if I'm not mistaken, there was an interview somewhere, I think Keep the Faith era, and John was talking about writing The Fire Inside. And he said he really wanted to put that on the album, but he knew that the anger and the bitterness he had towards the record company, he knew it wasn't a good idea to put it on. And that's why it was taken off. But he wanted to put it on, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't remember, but maybe, maybe I think it's uh, he talked about this song. Yeah, 
Yeah, I would have taken yeah. it always your mother off and put. Um, they should have just done a, a double album to be honest, because you got taken it back, starting all over again. Why aren't you dead? Fire. They should have just done a double album. Um, my favorite uh, lyric is. Um, you can escape a pouring rain. You can run for shelter in a hurricane. I love that line, you know? That's uh, maybe my favorite. And also, tonight I run and need no sleep. When it fills these woods, you are in too deep. Yeah. Oh, I love that one. That, that one's almost my favorite, but I have to go with the pouring rain and shelter and all that. Uh, next one is Last Chance Train. Uh, this was written by John and Mark Hudson. I don't know if it was, I know it was around 1994 was recorded, whether it was pre-Crossroads or for these days. I like to say it was for these days. Um, but this song is, I, I enjoy, I think it's all about looking back in a relationship and trying to rekindle an old flame now. You're, you're desperate to rekindle things now. And I think it's also a song about regret, you know, looking back and looking at the things that you've done wrong and, and just figuring out how to how how to be better. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, this song. It's another one like uh, maybe something similar to maybe someday, like a bit uh, homesick and sad, and like uh, about romance that you lost, maybe or uh, like uh, old days, and when you're feeling like a bit sad and. Bittersweet, maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And John's vocals on this are, are really good, too. I think the chorus is what is so catchy about this song, you know, especially like when you got to meet me in that. You know, you have John and Richie singing together that part. And then John's I'm on a last chance train. You know, I, I love that. Um, what's your favorite line in the song? I think sitting here, I smoke my 19 cigarette. Uh, now all that's left are ashes, uh, bats on my regrets. Uh, it's your taste that I can just forget. Yeah, I love that. Was actually gonna be my favorite. Too. I think that's the bridge, right? I believe. Um, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, mine is you try to reach me, but I've sailed away. You try to read me, but my words got in the way. The music's over, but the dance has just begun. Yeah, that's very beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, next one is every beat of my heart. Uh, which was written by John and Richie during the Keep the Faith era. When you listen to it, it doesn't sound like Keep the Faith, John. It sounds more like Crush, John, you know, or Bounce, John. Uh, but yeah, it was written back uh, during Keep the Faith. And I think this is like a true love song. It's kind of like another I'll be there for you type thing, you know. And it's just it's the importance of your significant other and I, I have a feeling this song was kind of written when John was away from home because you, you sense that, you know, it's obviously about him being away from Dorothea and yeah. just missing her. And, you know, she has his heart. And um, so I don't think it's really a breakup song. I think it's just more about being away from your significant other and just missing them, wanting to come home to them. Um, I think the, the harmony with John and Richie, too, is really special in this song. The way that they kind of harmonize together is really special. Yeah. What's uh, what's your view on the song? I think it's a, a, a true 
love song, like you said, and uh, for me, the best part of the song is when John and Richie are uh, singing together. Yeah, and uh, I like this song, but not my favorite of this CD. Like, mm. uh, no, no. I don't know. It's like uh, something that uh, I miss something. I don't know what, but I, it's like uh, I miss something in that song, but it's a good song. Yeah. I feel the exact same way. I feel like this song is good, but it's missing a special something to add it to. Yeah. Like you feel like the song is like 90. I'm not, I don't think it's a demo. I think it's the actual. Because they did finish this. So let me see here. Uh, no, yeah, it's unreleased. Um, but I feel like it's 95% completed, but there's a 5% that just it needed to add something to the song to complete it, you know, a special oomph to it. But maybe yeah. that's an uh, unreleased track. My favorite line is, it's the way that smile fits on your lips, the way you hold me tight. I love that yeah. kind of imagery of uh, in yeah. that, song, that part. Uh, chorus, I think, is also the best part of the song, too. You know, every beat of my, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's go to the next one. The next one is a really fun song. And this one has always been one of my favorites on the box set. Rich Man Living in a Poor Man's House. Uh, yeah. It was written by John and Dave Stewart, and it was written for Crush. Yep. And uh, I think it's such a fun song, but it also has such a strong analogy. So when you put the title the rich man living in a poor man's house so obviously it's not this multi-millionaire living in a in a little house it, it's rich man i think stands for okay let me go back to, i'll go to the meaning so the meaning of the song i think is about just you know everyday joe schmell waking up having the same exact thing to get, you gotta go to you know get up go to work come home do whatever needs to be done around the house but he gets to be with his family at the end of the day and that's what pulls him through is his family so you know just a hard-working man down on his luck but he's still happy with his life because of his family so rich man that part yeah. i think stands for his family you know that's what makes him rich inside and then living in a poor man's house is the struggles that everyday joe Schmo goes through so it's yeah. it's if you look at the lyrics, listen to the song, it's beautifully written. It really it is a great analogy. And it's one of those songs that you wish got more recognition, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what's your view on it? I, I know I kind of went a little passionate about it because I, I think it's just so beautifully written. What's your uh, view on the song? Yeah. Uh, I like very much this song. And uh, it reminds a bit like uh, 60 Music. You know the rock in that area in the 60s and so uh but the meaning uh, for me it's very special and it's like a very bon jovi lyric one of those lyrics you think john wrote this because it's like a kind of optimism and uh realism like a for me it's like a, you say it's just the story of a common man like a working keeping family safe and all of those. But he's uh, happy and he's plenty of, uh, I don't know, healthy mind mm -hmm. because he has the most important that it's his his family and his and his love. So yeah, it's like a very, very, the Bon Jovi feeling. 
Yeah. Now, I, after this time, I think I'm going to listen to this song over and over today. I, I love it. It's, it's good. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. My, uh, my favorite part of the song is the second verse. You know, every night at home feels like it's Christmas Eve. You know, I, yeah. I love that. I love that line and uh, yeah. the whole second verse. And the way that he sings the verses, the whole song, but the verses, too, has such a good drive to it. Um, yeah. I, I truly think they should have been on the Crash album. You know, yeah. but I think a lot of people would have been confused, you know, especially like the critics, you know, people are like, what is this song about? Fans like you and I will delve into the song and just, what's what I'm looking for, just pull every aspect of the song and learn it, yeah. describe it, and, you know, say what's, you know, so I, it's a good outtake, and it's one of my favorites on the box set. I yeah, could go yeah. on, I love it. Do you have a favorite line of the song? Yeah, some men live for money, some men live for work, but it's real men, richer men who knows what's what for. And uh, I love <laughs> that's yeah. my favorite line. That's my favorite line now because that's true. It's absolutely true. Yeah, it, that's the truth, and it's also not not just because the line that it's the truth, but that Tico is fantastic. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's that, like an incredible moment. Yeah. I also love the way that they. Uh, um, saying rich man living in a poor man's house over and over at the end and you're like what is this not that you want it to end but you're like okay we get the <laughs> point you know, I love it though I love it um, yeah. <laughs> let's, go, let's go to the next one the, the, the next one is one that got away and it was written by John and Richie and it was for Crush I think it was one of the early songs too because they wrote this for a movie called oh what's it called Message in a Bottle I think I think that's I what it was yeah. And the sad part is they didn't take the movie didn't take it. They didn't want it. <laughs> yeah. And, and you listen but, to the song, you're like, how do you first of all, how do you turn away a Bon Jovi song? You know, for yeah. a movie, you know? And you gotta think this is this is around the era too when John was just did a bunch of movies and he wrote for Ed TV with real life. Yeah. And then he wrote one that got away from Message in the Bottle, Good Guys Don't Always Wear White, you know, all those songs. And um but it's still a, a really good song. I remember there's an interview somewhere where John Ritchie both said that they really loved this song, wish they had put it on the album. Um, I think the, I think the whole song is about just uh, looking at a moment in time and kind of knowing that something like like a relationship per se could have yeah. gone differently. You know, like the, like the song kind of just kind of looks at a moment in time with when you're when you spend a day with someone and you have such a great time and you think it's going to go somewhere, but it doesn't. And you look yeah. back at that, that day and think coulda, woulda, shoulda, you know, like things could have actually happened if things went differently. Yeah. Yeah. What's your view on the song? Well, uh, to me, this is a great love song. One of the best, I think in this, in this second album. And uh, for me, the meaning it's, like uh yeah like uh the things you can't miss if you really love someone or something like that yeah like uh take the risk and uh the one you get away you that get go the way yeah yeah what's yeah. your favorite line uh i'll be your hero and you'll be the one who got away really when i listen to that part uh i always cry <laughs> yeah That's Mine, and this is a heartbreaking one too. 
I asked you to dance. You said there's no radio. I got up real slow, sang real low. When I was melting in your arms, I had to let you go. And like I said, it's a very heartbreaking line when he sings, when I was melting in your arms, you know, yeah. falling in love, I had yeah. to let you go. And, you know, and that sums up the one that got away, you know. Um, it, 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 I love the emotional chorus in the song. I think the guitar is beautiful. And yeah. it's, it's one of those great slow ballads. And I tell you, it's one of those songs I had listened to and it just makes me want to go hug my wife a little bit, you know, just <laughs> yeah. she's not the one that got away. You know, I know it's it's weird to say that, but it's it's true. No, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's good. Next one is You Can Sleep While I Dream. It was another song written for Crush. You know, when I was talking about this one with Mike the other day, we talked about like almost all the songs on this one were, were meant for Keep the Faith. And now on just two, it feels like every song was written for Crush. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so You Can Sleep While I Dream was written for uh, Crush. It was written by John, Mark Hudson, and I always forget his name, Dean Huckle, Huskell, or Grackle, or something like that. Something like that. Um, I, I think the meaning of the song is much better than what the, how the song actually sounds. I feel like it's one of those songs that was never completely finished, or it doesn't really have that oomph to it. It's still a great song. I enjoy it. Uh, the meaning, I think, is all about just achieving your dreams, not stopping at anything, even with everyone being a disbeliever, negative, and just achieving your dreams despite the obstacles. You know, so it has a great message to the song. Yeah, you froze. Can you hear me? Now, yes. Okay. So, did you did you miss what I just said? No, I I, I listen. I listen. Not the okay. whole thing, but I I took. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So, so what is your view on the song? I think uh, this song. It's also uh, why Bon Jovi write this optimism lyrics and so powerful it's like uh some people say like uh sleeping and you have to really fight for your dreams and the things you you want reminds me a bit to all i want is everything oh yeah it's, 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 yeah exactly yeah. it's okay like that yeah and as the title suggests too you can sleep while i dream so i think that's like saying to the non-believers yeah, okay, for example, let's use yeah. let's use 1983 John Bon Jovi. You know, even though this was written for Crash, let's, yeah. let's use 1983 John Bon Jovi. When he wanted to be a rock star and blah, blah, blah. And everyone would say, no, there's no way that's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And so that's pretty much saying, well, you can sleep, which means you cannot believe while I dream. You know, I, if you don't believe it, I'm going to believe it, you know. So it doesn't matter if you believe me or not. I'm yeah. still going to achieve my dream so you can sleep and not believe in me and i'll keep dreaming you know if that makes sense yeah exactly yeah and it's also good to listen because sometimes even you are uh, like that kind of optimism or a kind of person that fight for things but some days you are like a wolf and uh, to me it's very good to listen because uh, it reminds me to be powerful yeah exactly yeah and um 
My yeah. favorite line is the, hey, 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 this one's for the dreamers. Hey, 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 doubting disbelievers, get out of my way. I bend, but I ain't breaking. Scared, but I ain't shaking. You can sleep while I dream. And I kind of, so obviously this is written for Crush. But if you notice in this part of the chorus, you know, like in It's My Life in the bridge, when uh, he sings, don't bend, don't break, don't back down. Well, in this song, too, you know, when he sings, I bend, but I ain't breaking, you know, so just yeah. a little It's My Life reference. Or maybe this was written before It's My Life. Who knows? But I, I like the two don't bend, don't break references, you know. So I thought that yeah. was kind of unique. What's your favorite line of the song? Uh. That, that the part you say it's like are uh, very easy to connect with that the hey 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 but also when when they sing some people see things as they are and ask why I dream things that never were I took my shot and I say why not yeah that, that's a I like that one too it's, it's a good song though I, uh, let's go to the yeah. next one Outlaws of Love uh, this was this one's hard to determine because John kind of forgot about this song. And I I think it's pre-1986 because I know somewhere John said that they were kind to kind of, it was kind of like a precursor to, you know, Wanted and Stick to Your Guns and that whole uh, Blaze of Glory album. So I, it has like that cowboyish vibe to it. Uh, it was written by John and Richie. Um, I think it's, you know, all about, as the title suggests, outlaws of love, not being accepted uh, as a couple. You know, no matter who you're with, no one accepts you guys being together and not having the support yeah. and then running away and being married. You know, the whole running away, I think, ties into the whole cowboy thing. But, you know, run, taking off and going your own way and, and yeah. stuff like that. So it's 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 beautifully written. I can see why it was an outtake. Um I think the guitar in the song is really good. I really like Richie's riffs on the guitar. And you can kind of tell it's definitely an early song because Richie did, had a good, different type of guitar vibe uh, in, in, you know, pre-slippery. And I think this is where one of those songs kind of fall into. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on the song? Just so you know, you're like, uh, I your think screen is frozen right now. And I can just hear you, but we'll, we'll keep recording. I'm not sure why it's it's frozen on my end. Um, okay, I see you. I see you, and uh, I see you clear. Um, yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll keep talking. Okay. Uh, uh, my thoughts about the song, it's that it's a kind of a relation, a love relation that has no support from, I don't know, family or whatever. Uh, they decide to stay together, stay strong. And to me, it's like also, I don't know, be there because even in the song, they, they talk about the future and that hopefully, hopefully maybe in the future, they, they will keep strong. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh... Yeah. My favorite part of the line is, they'll never see what you are to me, all that I want, all that I believe, and then it leads into the chorus, you know, and I, I think that was beautiful, you know, I if this song is truly pre-1986, which I think it is, I think this is probably one of the best written songs John had written before Slippery. Yeah. Um, so, that's all I got to say about that one.
Do you have anything you want to say about that track still? No, it's okay. It's fine. Okay. Well, the next one's a really fun one. Uh, good guys don't always wear white. Yeah. And this is obviously a diehard fan favorite. Uh, it was written, I, th yeah. I think, right after Crossroads because they were writing uh, for a movie called The Cowboy Way. And it was written by John Ritchie. And I remember the movie, uh, John said in an interview somewhere that the, the movie wanted something that was fast and upbeat and loud. And obviously you hear the song and it's just like that. Um, I, really, I yeah. like the great intro too, the, the two, three, four, and then it, it starts. Yeah. Um, Tico's phenomenal in this song too. Um, yeah. The meaning of this song is kind of, you could look at the lyrics of this song and, and interpret it in a lot of different ways. Uh, the way that I kind of look at it is that doing things that aren't accepted, um, you know, Kind of like, I, I feel like John was like in a blaze of glory type mood uh, because you, you listen to this yeah. song, even though it was five years later, you still look back and think, sounds like something that could have been on uh, Blaze of Glory. But um, yeah. it obviously wasn't because it was written in 94. But uh, so I get a lot of Blaze of Glory vibes. I think it's just all about just being an outlaw. And so I think he was kind of like writing about Billy the Kid or himself and and stuff like that but what's your take on the song well it's one of my favorites and uh from the beginning you know as you say the tooth you know and uh also uh, tico and richie are fantastic and the meaning i think it's like uh thinking and acting like a bit outlaw and uh, doing things maybe don't accept or something like that by social and political maybe don't know say that last part again uh, yeah like the meaning i think it's like uh belong to something that you act and you think uh, mm. in a mood that it's not like uh accept or political or social acceptance okay. something like that that makes sense that's a good view of the yeah I can see that. That's why uh, the song is open to so much interpretation because it's hard to kind of narrow down yeah. what it's about. Um, my yeah. favorite line is, if you cut me, don't I bleed just like you, you know that I do. You know, I love that line. Do you yeah. have a favorite line? Yeah, I know apologize just because I don't look like you, talk like you, think like you. Oh, I love, and the way that he delivers that part of the song too, I love it. Uh, you know what? Yeah. You know what surprises me too is they actually performed this. I forget. I think it was MTV Music Awards or something. They were trying to promote the song for the movie because the movie was just coming out. But that award performance. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of songs on here that you wish that you could see, like "Edge of a Broken Heart," for example. I wish we could see the band do that live once. So it's it's really nice yeah. to see at least one of these deeper outtake songs being performed. I, and I thought it was performed very well, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and one last thing to the, about the song is, uh, you know, the back end vocals when Richie goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know, the end in two, you yeah. know, the, way, the outro of the song, it's so beautifully composed and I love it. Yeah. And the uh, video, it's uh, it's fantastic too. It's uh, like uh, very funny. 
Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time, but it's like it's like a, like the view of the driver's seat of the of a tour bus, and you see the band in the window, right? I haven't seen it in a long time, but I I, I do remember it. Um, the yeah. next track, and this is the last track of um, the box set, is "We Rule the Night." This is definitely an early song you could just tell by how the band sounds john's vocals it's definitely a pretty slippery um song written by john ritchie john i think i think he says it on the box that dvd he doesn't remember writing this one um i don't think this is probably one of my least favorite songs i i don't mind it i i like it for what it is but I think it's one of those songs that I it, I don't think it was ever completely finished, and it just doesn't really come together very well. You know, it doesn't I, maybe it just doesn't add that umph to it, and that you know what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I think uh, yeah, I like the song. It's uh, one of the another area I think, and this second CD, it's like a. We were talking about like a homesick and you know like another kind of music. And to me, it's like uh, doesn't match at all with this um, kind of a style. Say so that very last part of you were breaking up a little bit. Really, me? Do you want to repeat? Yeah, uh, I can hear you now. I didn't catch that last part. Ah, okay, yeah. Yeah, that that the kind of music it's like uh, uh also the John's voice, John's styles. It's like uh doesn't match at all with the meaning and the context of the album because it's like uh the whole album. It's like uh we were talking about the homesick and other kind of a style and music, and it's like a, I don't know. It's it's a good song and I like it, but like uh doesn't match at all with the CD. No, yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm glad that we do have, because if you look at the, we don't have any outtakes from New Jersey on this box set or these days. Well, we, yeah. we kind of have a few outtakes from these days, but there's no outtakes from New Jersey on this box. And this is before we got that special 2014 box set. So it, it kind of upsets me a little bit that there's no New Jersey outtakes, but I'm glad we at least have a couple from the debut in 7800. But like I said, yeah. I think we roll the night just was one of those songs that didn't really wasn't going anywhere and didn't I can see why I was in why is an outtake and as far as the meaning goes who knows I I don't think I truly know what it's about I don't think I ever will I think it's when when he sings we roll the night I think about them just being a band starting out and trying to find their place in the world other than that I have no idea what the song's about and I I don't even have a favorite lyric yeah. It's one of those songs that just doesn't do anything for me, really. Yeah, I I I don't I don't have a favorite lyric. I think it's a, just a it's a good song and but just like a, one more, you know. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, that's that's why I always I yeah. try to tell my wife sometimes <laughs> when we're listening to this box set and she goes, "What's this?" and I go. It's an outtake. It is what it is, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. But exactly, yeah. Or, or maybe, maybe if they choose uh, at the beginning of the CD or something, you see different. But it's like, uh, I don't know, like uh, 
it's the last song and it's like a, doesn't match to me with the spirit of the CD, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Just my view. Yeah. Out of all the songs that we talked about today, which one's your absolute favorite from disc two? My absolutely favorite. Um, well, I think Good Guys. Good Guys? Okay. I, I was going to think you were going to say like um, Outlaws of Love or. Um, uh, uh, the, the one that got away. Yeah, that's probably my second on in high competition with good guys. <laughs> Mine would be starting all over again. I think that's uh, like I think John's vocals really get me on that one. Next and last question: What is your absolute favorite on this whole box set? The entire box set. In the whole box. The whole That's difficult. Box. Wow. Okay, I'll make it easier because I, I I couldn't narrow it down to one either. Let me hear your top three. Okay. Maybe I think uh, open all night. Okay. Number two. Yeah. Um. Your second, third one. Number two, Lonely at the Top. Oh, okay. I wasn't seeing that one coming. Okay. And your third? The Radio Save My Life Tonight. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I could have guessed that one was coming. Okay. Now, if you if all three of those songs were drowning, which one would you say first? If only one of those songs could be heard in... What would you, which one would you say? Lonely at the top. Really? Okay. I, I would have figured you would say radio. Okay. My top three <laughs> have to, has to be Edge of a Broken Heart, Real Life, and oh, the third one is, is tough. I, I'd probably say Why Aren't You Dead would be my third favorite on it. Or, yeah, right. Uh, my, my my three could change, but I know my my first two, Real Life and Edge of a Broken Heart, my absolute favorites on this uh, box set. So. Yeah, but it's it's uh, absolutely difficult to choose. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, well, anyway, Natalia, it's always great talking with you, whether it's we're, we're talking on Skype or if we're talking through Messenger or if we're, you know, just tweeting at each other. It's always a blast to talk to you and I'm glad that you could come on and we could talk about uh, this uh, this box set together. So, um, but anyway, I wish you uh, health and I uh, hope you're doing well and uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch, okay? Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. You're welcome. We'll see you, Natalia.